Welcome, Jessica. Hello. <laughs> Just think, if I weren't here, you'd, you'd get to talk to her. It always feels a little empty when the all balls aren't here, but... When no one else but Jessica shows up, it just seems a little empty, but... Hello, onlineers! Jessica is here to fill the place with her presence <laughs> and her love. So, Jenny will be with us, too, but we're having technical difficulties with the coffee, and we do have our priorities, so she's <laughs> going to fix that issue. We got a bad batch. I won't say from who because it might just be a glitch. But uh, it's uh, it's like coffee that's already been brewed, and someone gave us their used coffee grounds because it's not making coffee. It's it looks like tea, and it doesn't have much flavor, and it's supposed to be a dark roast. So she is going to use a different bag and make us some good coffee and we appreciate Jenny's hard work doing so <clears throat> and we also uh, want to say hello to the onliners while we're gabbing about our need of uh, good dark roast strong coffee and uh, we appreciate them now we have more, where two or more are gathered in God's name. We've, we've made the quota. Brother Doug, good morning. Good morning, sir. I was just explaining that uh, Jenny will be a little longer, that our batch of coffee for some reason is just weak. So you'll have to wait a little bit to get your cup of coffee. <clears throat> she had to redo the... Uh, what we got here? Did you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, she, she'll come up. She'll probably bring you a cup when she sees you here. But uh, it looked like it, it happened. You, you you drank some Wednesday, didn't you? I oh, had yeah, earlier week. She put even more, and it was still weak like that. I don't know. So I was saying it's almost like they used it already and gave us some used coffee grounds. Wow. <laughs> That's wow. what it seems like. It's uh, not working. So, uh, for those with us, for Isaiah 49 is where we're going to be. I think the Allbaugh's might be with us online. I guess, uh, let me see, maybe on MeWe I can open, if I can get that open here. No, nobody's checked in on MeWe yet. And uh, it's the only downside we miss about our previous live stream provider we had live chat yeah so people could comment right under the video and we could see it right and uh, right now sermon audio doesn't have that capability come on in if you can find a seat natural disasters are happening more frequently worldwide Mm, we need yeah. help. Okay. Birth pangs. Don't blame it on climate change. Of course. Yeah. We'll not blame it, but we'll credit God with predicting that in the Bible. Well, the truth is undeniable what's happening. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Part of the sign. Good morning. Part of the sign, brother. Amen. Uh, 
Yeah, that's what, you know, there are pre-trip, pre, uh, pre-trip rapture dispensationalists believe what we do, but they act like these uh, earthquakes and things going on don't have anything to do with the end times because it is true that in their fullness, they're not going to explode until after the rapture. But Jesus made it clear that when these things begin to happen, look up. And so we take that literally. (laughs) They are beginning to happen. And uh, I didn't have uh, time to put it all in the current events, so you won't see it in there. But uh, have you seen what's been going on on the sun? The sun has been having solar flares that one of which was directed, like say the earth's this way, it went in that direction. If it had come toward us, it could have been the the big one. Because, uh, you know, there's what's going to happen in Revelation, we don't know for sure if that's just God allowing a solar flare to come at us directly or not. Because what happens in the Bible is extremely worse than anything on record. But just about 150 years ago, a solar flare knocked out all the uh, telegraph system. Well, that was the only thing electro, electrical at that time. If, they say if that same thing happened again, now most of our electric grid would go down. So you would lose a lot, of, you'd lose most of your ability to uh, not only have electricity in your home, you'd have to have a generator. But most of those generators still run on gasoline. So once you run out of gasoline, it would be a while before the gas stations would function again. So, and then, I mean, I, you could go on and on with the repercussions of that. It would be, it's going to be something when it happens. It will either happen before the rapture or after the rapture. It's going to happen. It will either be twice because one will be a natural and the second, after the rapture will be a supernatural fulfillment of prophecy. All very interesting, but uh, in Isaiah 49, uh, we saw the prophecies of the regathering of Israel, and as you read those, you kind of think, you know, up until this point, um, some of the details of those prophecies have not really been fulfilled, and that's an important point, because a lot of people pretend that all the prophecies about Israel have already been fulfilled. (laughs) They haven't come close. And what we know is the, the, the prosperity, and for one thing, having a king. There hasn't been a king in Israel since the Babylonian captivity. And so these prophecies talk about the king. And it always refers to the king. There's going to be one, king of kings and king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who we know who that is. That's an important little uh, undeniable fact about the prophecies about Israel. When people try to pretend they've already been fulfilled, which is crazy on many other levels. But on this one issue of Israel having a king, uh, and that's prophesied. Uh, we're going to talk about that and uh, an evidence for God uh, devotional coming up soon. That the Bible prophesied that even when they came back in the land, they wouldn't have a king until the king at the end. 
And that's a, a pretty amazing thing because they came back for several hundred years. But they were never able to reestablish the throne because of uh, the Greeks and the Romans and others, you know, coming in and taking over the land and controlling it. And then, of course, after 70 AD, they were kicked out of the land completely. So now we're seeing them back in the land, and these things begin to come to pass. Look up. <laughs> so that's where we're at now in uh, Isaiah 49, um, where the larger context of that messianic kingdom comes into play with these prophecies much more clearly. And we'll see some cross-references that demonstrate that it's about Jesus being that Messiah. He fulfilled these prophecies now and will fulfill the rest when he returns. So let's look in uh, Isaiah uh, 49 verses 1 through 6. And we'll read the even verses. So I'll begin with verse 1. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught, and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Amen? Amen. So let's uh, open with a word of prayer and get into our Bible study. And Brother Brian, would you say? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we can spend in your word today. We ask that uh, anyone who is listening out there today or anyone here who uh, is not saved, that by the hearing of your word, that uh, you use your Holy Spirit to convict them of their need for a Savior. And we ask this in the name of your Son. Amen. 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 So uh, we pick up right in verse 1 where the Lord <coughs> is uh, speaking of an individual. That's clear. Um, but we also have to make clear that he's no longer speaking of Cyrus because previously the individual being addressed was Cyrus and King Cyrus is somebody you should become familiar with King Cyrus was who God used to bring the children of Israel back to the land after they were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar uh, to Babylon so verse 1, listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. So that's an individual, called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Now, I think this is a pretty uh, fascinating thing when you connect the dots. 
go over to Luke chapter 1 and beginning verse 26. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Brother David from Hamilton, Ohio, checking in. Thanks, David. Luke 1, 26 to 33, begins verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And that's where Jesus would end up growing up. He's called Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. Now look what it says here. Um, Gabriel was sent to who? Verse 27. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of who? David. The, the virgin's name was Mary. The Messiah can't, let me put it this way. No one can be Messiah unless he can demonstrate that he comes from the seed of David. And that's why at this point we can confidently say that if it's not Jesus, there will never be a real Messiah. Amen. Amen. The Jews will tell you they're still looking for the Messiah. There's no possible way for them to prove that any man that they would call Messiah is of the lineage of David. So you look at the 100 prophecies. There are many more than that if you get down to uh, real details, but there's 100 clear prophecies that is the odds of fulfilling any one man fulfilling are astronomical beyond possibility to begin with. Jesus alone has fulfilled those prophecies, and at this point we can say Jesus alone is the only possible fulfillment of those prophecies. Mm -hmm. You cannot, it, it just it's impossible for them to ever prove that any man comes from the seed of David the way Jesus at the time proved. And as you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, no one ever questioned that he was of the seed of David. No one ever accused him of lying about his lineage. So that's settled. He was even called son of David by people who came to him for healing. Yeah. Yeah. David had mercy on us. It's a well-known fact. So the Antichrist, they'll have some faith. DNA well, I think it'll be like the Pope. The Pope claims to be a lot of things, and he has no proof that he is, but people are just like, oh, yes, yes. You know? Yeah, Chuck? So I can't use Ancestry.com to prove that I'm from the land of David. No, you can, you can prove a lot of things on there, but not that. By the way, have you seen all these leftists who have been crying for the reparation thing, who have found out that they ha they actually are descended from Confederates. The, what the... Poor blacks. Who's, is her name Houston or who's Heston? I don't watch it, but on The View, the, uh, she, she is liberal and called for reparations. She's a, she comes from a family who owned slaves. So if she's going to pay reparations, she has to pay up because uh, she's part of the problem, evidently. And who's the guy on Reading Rainbow? Remember LeVar Reading Burton. Rainbow? Huh? LeVar Burton? I think... It, I don't know. He's... Uh, the black guy that hosted? Yeah. Yeah, that's LeVar Burton. I'm trying to think of what... He was on Star Trek too, I yeah, think. He, he is a descendant of a Confederate soldier. Wow. So all these guys who have been...
crying about reparations and everything, you're finding out they come, they come from the same. We're all a bunch of Heinz 57. Right. What's also funny is I know some guys who thought they were, you know, Mr. Whitey, and they, you know, and they were hope, waving the flag well, like Hitler. He's got Jewish DNA. It sure does. Yeah. And that's really sad. Uh, he's worse than, I mean, he's right up there with Judas, I guess we'd say. But anyway, uh, back to our text there. Um, it says in verse 28, to the only uh, possible candidate for Messiah, whoever existed, talking to her mother, says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Read uh, the rest 30 to 32 with me. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Keep your finger there. Look back at verse 1 in Isaiah 49. What's it say? The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Right there, while Jesus is in Mary's womb, Gabriel has announced he's coming and even gives us his name. You can't get any more specific than that. That is a fulfillment of prophecy. That, and it's, it's one of those rarely actually mentioned, but it's a, an amazing fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, so this verse, obviously, is speaking of God's anointed Messiah of Israel and will become even clearer as we continue. So let's look at verse 2. Verse 2, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Some of you are like, okay. <laughs> Where? Anybody want to give me the chapter? Revelation 19. Revelation 19. I mean, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and maybe a polished shaft in his quiver hath he hid me. Uh, well, that speaks of uh, the fact that no one knew specifically who he was going to be until Gabriel announced it when he was in his mother's womb, which is part of the altogether system referred to as bowels. Today we refer to bowels, and it's usually considered to be like the colon and the intestines, but biblically, your innards, <laughs> anything in there, which considered your bowels, kidneys, yeah, stomach, everything. And then instead of saying, you are the love of my heart, I would say, you make my bowels move. <laughs> That's biblical language here. That's what, any of you want to give a Valentine this year? <laughs> say, in biblical language, I must say to you, you make my bowels move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you didn't like that. That's, uh, why, that's why we don't celebrate that. <laughs> yeah, she's like, don't even bother, Greg. Yeah. You come up with stuff like that. <laughs> Look at uh, Matthew 10, 34. He says in verse 2 there in Isaiah 49, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. And then he refers to his uh, being a polished shaft, and his quiver hath he hid me. 
Look what Jesus himself says in Matthew 10, 34. Read that if you're there. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And uh, then also uh, Revelation 1. You want to turn there? Revelation 1, verse 16. Of course, the description is of Jesus. We looked at this, I think, in the last one or two studies. Verse 13, Son of Man with a capital S. And uh, verse four, uh, 14 describes him in his glorified state with head and hair white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire, and so forth. And then verse 16, read that. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So there's that sword again. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. Look at what's where's the sharp two-edged sword say in verse 16. Where does it come from? His mouth. Just like verse 2 in Isaiah 49. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Uh, turn over a page or two according to how big your print is to chapter 2 verse 12. And these verses, uh, chapters 2 and 3 are seven short epistles to local churches gathering in certain cities, these particular cities. And verse 12 is Pergamos. Read that, verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. <laughs> and then again, uh, verse 16. Uh, re read that. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my what? Mouth. That's it. Clear as can be, in addition to then the uh, very correct reference that Brother Brian referred us to in Revelation 19. And uh, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 13 tells us, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And that matches John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this is Jesus. Now read verse 15 with me. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. Oh, wait a minute. That sounds familiar. <laughs> it's exactly what Isaiah 49 2 says. Continue that it, with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Praise his name forever. Amen. Amen. So back to Isaiah 49, the rest of verse 2, as I said, um, describes how that uh, Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, um, his name and all other specifics like his mother's name, age, he would minister and die, uh, and, and exact things he would teach. All that was hidden until he was then revealed in his birth, uh, which is when he came in the flesh. And so the Bible says in uh, 1 Timothy, cover up there back there. 1 uh, Timothy 3.16, and, and without controversy... Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And, of course, the new versions take the word God out and destroy that reference. He appeared in a body. As did we. Yes. So uh, stick to King James. Amen? 
Then look at verse 3 back in uh, Isaiah 49. And said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. And uh, So this is why you'll, you can read or hear, uh, especially Jewish commentators, play down the connections to Jesus and then say, well, this is referring to the nation still. Oh, yeah. But as we show, not only is it an individual being referred to, direct references to the life and birth of Jesus Christ. But in addition to that, the name Israel has uh, isn't just the name of a nation. Originally, it was of one individual named Jacob. And then in type then, Jacob stands as a type of Christ. So Israel is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And then also, in addition to all that, Jesus is the ideal and representative of Israel. So that's why in Isaiah 9, 6 it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and, his, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, referring to him being the king, Messiah, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He's not God the Father, which the apostolic oneness Trinitarian deniers try to claim, but he's the father of Israel. Just like we refer to a man as the father of our country. Who's that? Yeah. I mean, obviously he didn't sire the entire nation. We don't trace back to him in Ancestry.com. <laughs> what? Well, I, that would be neat to find out you did. Not that it would really mean anything, but um, it'd be. Uh, so far, most of the people we I've traced back to are drunks, and you know. <laughs> I mean, as far as the men in my family, and a lot of the women chewed tobacco, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I, I don't think we found out when my people came over. We know we came over because uh, they trace us to a certain place in England. So, and I'm here, but I mean, though, a lot of people in our family up until we were talking about how recent it was that we found out we weren't Cherokee. There's a bunch of people in our family telling us that we, oh yeah, Grandma Brown, that's how she got her name Brown, you know that kind of stuff, and the high cheekbones. So, uh, nope, we're just a bunch of Brits. <laughs> with a little bit of this and that mixed in, but it's like Germanic and some uh, touch from Spain, you know, that kind of thing. Just like Elizabeth Warren. Huh? Just like Elizabeth Warren. Yes. Yes, I'm as Native American as Elizabeth Warren. Well, at least you go, you go to a dentist, you know, some of the Brits, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think we talked about this before, that, but that was a sign of, uh, you know, stature if you had rotten teeth. Does that mean you can afford sugar and sweets? You people, you people with nice teeth, it's because you're so poor you can't live the good life. You know. I think most of the people in my family lost their teeth because of whiskey. But uh, anyway, um, that's why I don't touch this stuff. But verse uh, four. Um, well, first I want to quote uh, John Wesley. I love John Wesley's writings. He, you know, he he didn't nail down dispensations and he was secure of his own salvation but was sure that you probably lost yours 
You know, that's how John Wesley's teaching kind of comes. But most of the time, his comments just when he's not trying to prove something from his views, the rest of what he says is so good. And here he says, quote, As the name of David is sometimes given to his successors, so here the name of Israel may not unfitly be given to Christ, not only because he descended from his loins, but also because he was the true and the great Israel, mm -hmm. uh, who in a more eminent manner prevailed with God, as that name signifies, of whom Jacob, who was first called Israel, was but a type. End quote. So if you got that, that's a great quote. John Wesley would be rolling in his grave with the state of the Methodist church. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much every founder of every denomination right now, if they could come back, they'd burn all the buildings down. Uh, verse 4. And by the way, that would include our Baptist uh, ancestors and such. But verse 4. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. Now, why would the Messiah say that? Well, you know, when they crucified him, he was pretty much alone. His nation has rejected him and had him murdered. Uh, his followers have abandoned him with one having betrayed him and gone out and committed suicide. <laughs> Turn back to Psalm 22. Yeah, Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 and elsewhere. Well, that's where we're going to go in a minute. But... You just think about it. You ever felt lonely? Always remember Jesus on the cross. There's been no one ever lived on earth face darkness of loneliness as thick as Jesus did. And then to have the whole the sins of the whole world poured upon him. And in some mysterious way we don't understand, but we believe it that God forsook him on the cross because he became sin. And God can't look upon sin. The only time in existence, because God's eternal, there's no beginning. And the only time throughout all of existence that separation took place between the Father and the Son. Just an amazing thing. We've never been that lonely. And, uh, you know, you see all this stuff today. I want to linger on this because I got some stuff I want to cover. But all this stuff about suicide these days. And the, the news media talks out of both sides of their mouth. Because they talk about, we're putting more money into this, and we've got this phone bank system set up, and we've got this network of counselors, and more people are on psych drugs than ever before, and more people are committing suicide than ever before. And the whole reports, we just watched one this week on 10TV, and Channel 4 had one last week that I watched. At no point do they connect those dots. With this, suicide rates go up. And what are they asking for? We need to find more money. So we can have more. Yeah. It's just an amazing blindness that is inexplicable. We need gender affirming care for all these people so they don't commit suicide. That's part of it. Yeah, as that increases, so does the suicide rate. And a lot of times their complaint is they, they will say they feel lonely. They're depressed, but they also feel like they're lonely. But a lot of those people are surrounded by other people living that same lifestyle. And the thing is, is I, I pity them. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't have any, it's not like I don't have any empathy or compassion 
But at the same time, I'm not going to lie, and I'd love to talk to all these people and tell them, you are the problem. Even the people who are Christians who say they go through this, you sit down and talk to them. They do not do what God tells them to do. And if you will do what God tells you to do, you will not have that sense of helplessness and loneliness. But then you say, well, why don't you do this? Well, I don't want to do that. Well, why don't you do this? I, I mean, I can't help you then. That's what they do. But as you're counseling, I have to tell them. I've told people, I've looked around, I can't help you. If you ever decide you're going to do what's right and do what God tells you to do, come see me. Because we'll help you. But as long as you say, I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. That's really God's message to Israel here in our text. It's a persistent rebellion refusing to do what God says to do. Stop offering those sacrifices in the groves. No, I don't think I will. I like it. I like the Happy. Start going to the temple and doing what you're supposed to do. Priests, start doing what you're supposed to do. And right there, you, you clean up half the mess right there. You're just hateful for saying that I shouldn't have sacrifice the grove. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what we're getting. We're saying, turn to Jesus. He saves. Just yesterday, some reporter, I uh, can't remember the name of this uh, publication, he's Come at me on X, Twitter, you know. Like he thought he was going to stop me on my tracks. Okay, you say you support Israel. Well, do Jews have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven? No. Yes. <laughs> he wasn't expecting that. Yeah, because most people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to say, you know, like Billy Graham on that one program I played that clip. Well, God is dealing with Israel straight up and saying, here's how it is, and that's how we have to deal with people. That's the message, one of the messages we get out of what we've been studying in Isaiah. But look at number, um, uh, verse 5, um, and realize that as we move on, watch the same verse 4 there. He says, uh, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. As you preach the gospel and people say no, you, people you love say no, uh, very few people getting saved around you. That's what this is about. That's what happened to Jesus when he came. And what's he say? I'm satisfied because I know the Lord's my judge and he's happy with me. Amen. I work as under the Lord and the Lord's happy with you. Then you've got it made. Stop, allow, stop choosing to put yourself in the doldrums over things that is stupid to go in the doldrums about. Why would you go into depression over some people that you know who won't believe in Jesus Christ? That's their choice. You told them. And I see it all the time. Hear about it all the time. I get it on messages on email all the time. And I just have to tell them the same thing all the time. Say, so did you tell them the gospel? Did you tell them the truth? God's happy with you. That's what you should be happy with. That's what that verse says. That's how Jesus, his attitude, right as they're crucifying him. Yes, Jessica. I like that with my dad. I just spoke with him this morning. And I tried it again. And it's, I'm, just, I'm sad. It's like you said, you're, you're, you're sad. You're, what was the word you used? You're, you're sad about how you said, um, 
important enough before them you, that they're you have that they don't listen. Yeah. 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 It's on them. You're what you're you're oh, I forgot the word that you said. You you have you sympathy or compassion. Empathy, compassion. Yeah, but you just you just wonder, you know. Yeah. But you can't make them because you know the Holy Spirit. Yeah, at some point, you're casting pearls before swine. I, yes. I know, but you still are just like... They have a free will. Yeah, maybe it's compassion. Mm -hmm. just, but you can't let that go into the point where it robs you of what God says you're to have, which is the joy of your salvation. Right. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks to God. For this is His will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Be certain that He will save them. Yeah. yeah. If, if they choose to go to him. Yeah. 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 But don't, don't miss what I say though. though. You have, you're supposed to. This is not a multiple choice. You're supposed to rejoice evermore. Amen. So if your reaction to something robs you of your joy, then you know you're not reacting properly. <laughs> God wouldn't tell you to rejoice evermore and to be thankful whatever all things uh, and then have you respond that way where it puts you into a depression or something over the fact that other people are rejecting the Lord. Yes, Jane. I was like that, but I've learned that um, talking with everyone here and the support I get from everyone here, I've kind of put my kids, my grandkids in a box and I've nailed it shut and I pray for them, but I can't change them if they don't want to change. Amen. I Amen. That's the I bottom line right there. I can't. You're not them. asked to. That's not your yeah. job. As they say, it's above your pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look at, before we run out of time here, look at verse 5 again now. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. And that'll happen, Romans 11, 25 to 27. Revelation chapter 12 all describes that. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and God, and my God shall be my strength. Um, that's just go over a couple pages there. Isaiah 53 we referred to a minute ago. Isaiah 53. And uh, verses 4 and 5. And what's it say? Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But read verse 5 with me. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So that's where he's rejected. But then look down at verses 10 through 12. Here's satisfaction is found here. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So is this all talking about how just like we bring pleasure to God, even as people reject the gospel, reject you, uh, curse and mock you, and yet God's pleased with it. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake, Jesus yeah. said. And in the same, that's our sharing. It's not the same, but it is a sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Look at verses 11 and 12. Read that. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. 
Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. I've heard rabbis try to explain this away, that this is talking about the nation. Of yeah, they'll do that with that text too. It is, but a lot of Jews have actually been converted as a result of this, Isaiah 53, when they look at it honestly. So that leads us into our final verse we're going to cover this morning. Verse 6, And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. We're going to see the 12 tribes, 12,000 from each tribe, making up the 144,000 Revelation 7. Revelation 12 talks about the whole nation that uh, the remnant, I should say, the two-thirds the two will die, sadly, but the one-third will be saved. And it says, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Well, we looked at that at the beginning of our Luke study. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. And we'll close by looking up a couple of these real quick. But this is Simeon. You remember Simeon? He's the fellow on hand when Jesus was brought in to be circumcised. And beginning in verse 25 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's referring to the Messiah showing up. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And uh, verse 26, so it was, it was, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a promise that was to receive from the Lord. And then verse 27, And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Read 28 through 32 with me. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel, which is a direct reference back to Isaiah 49, verse 6. Fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And I'll just give you a couple more references you can look up on your own. Paul as we saw in Acts 13, 46-48, made direct reference to Isaiah 49, 6, when he was preaching at Antioch of Pisidia in that synagogue. And then we'll see again Paul in front of King Agrippa in Acts 26, 19-23, where he'll make another reference to this specific prophecy in Isaiah 49, 6. So with that, let's close. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. We thank you for the blessings of the amazing book that we have and the prophecies that give us really uh, all the evidence beyond the, any reasonable shadow of a doubt for any honest person, the evidence for the God of the Bible and for the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the whole world, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. You're so good to us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the family of God in the local church. And all the praise to the glory of God the Father in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. All right. We'll see you in a little bit.